Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Wild Tales Podcast. I'm Jason Fox, and this series is all about adventure, resilience, and inspirational humans. The podcast is presented by the Book of Man and is supported by Talisker Single Malt Whiskey. My guest today is Ross Edgley. Ross is one of the biggest names in adventure and fitness in the country, who famously swam around Great Britain and has become a hugely popular authority on the mind and body. Ross and I answer some questions that you've asked me on Instagram. As usual, I'm going to be sending a bottle of my favourite talisker to the top question I pick out. Here we go, and I hope you enjoy it. Ross, mate, um, welcome to the Wild Tales podcast. Thank you so much. You, I know you're a busy, busy person, and you've got lots of stuff to do. So I really do appreciate your time. But, um, mate, it's we're, we're recording remotely, obviously, because of the, the, the situation we're in. But... Um, how have you been coping with the, the lockdown yeah, do, and, and what, what's your routine been? Do you know what, routine been? Not, not bad. Watching a lot of SASU Dares wins. That's been good. That's kept me sane. So <laughs> that's been really good. Thank you very much. But no, like, honestly, not, not too bad. Like, I think what's been strange is um, looking at, obviously, two years ago now when I uh, took that gentle uh, swim around Great Britain, it was weird to yeah. exist in that world of um, sensory deprivation. Like, you'll get it as well from your Atlantic row when you're just staring yeah. at the horizon mile after mile, day after day, you, you kind of are left alone with your own thoughts. And that can either be a great thing because you can come to some sort of yeah. epiphany and get a lot of things done in your head, or it can be a terrible thing. And for me, I, I've used it quite wisely. I've been you know, writing down a few things, been training. Um, sounds, sounds odd, but um, I've got a squat rack at my house. So like, I've been doing a lot of brachiating. So like basically dead hanging, passive hanging. Um, this theory yeah. that we share our shoulder joint with the, our great eight uh, distant sort of cousins, but we're sat there typing all day and hunched over and we're not breaking, we're not using our shoulder like nature intended. So I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of, a lot of rehab, prehab. It's, it's, it's going all right. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, whereabouts are you? Oh, so I'm in where do you, where? Chester, so just, just south of Manchester. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been all right. But similarly, have, have you kind of enjoyed it with your background and everything that you've learned? How have you found the transition to this, like this new normal? Well, I've had a great time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I need to be very aware that a lot of people out there haven't, but I've enjoyed, I tell you what, I've, I've enjoyed the fact that I've had more time at home, more time than I think I've ever had in my entire life. We've sorted a lot of things out around the house. It looks completely different. Um, the only thing is, is because everyone else is off work, I get pestered a lot. I can't wait for everyone to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I'm, I'm, I think in some ways I'm like a, an introvert extrovert in that I love catching up with people. But equally, if I'm left alone with my own thoughts, I'm, like, I'm really quite happy. I'm a very simple man. Like It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. take a lot to entertain me. <laughs> I'm I'm exactly the same. I am, um, yeah. I'm I, I'm a very much a social person, but 
being on my own is all right as well. So yeah. that's it's all about being a situational chameleon. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> it. But can I can I ask about that? So you just talked about there because I think certain people are wired a little bit differently. What, what was it about the Atlantic Road that, that you liked when you did it with, with Aldo as well? What, what was it that resonated with you? What, why did you want to go and row 3,000 miles across the Atlantic? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't like rowing. I still don't like <laughs> rowing. Right. Um, I don't think any of us did either. That's why we, we basically self-branded ourselves the rogues of ocean rowing because we were doing it all wrong. But... Um, do you know what it was? It was the it was the, the the togetherness of the crew, the group, the lads, and it was the I really enjoy the logistics of planning something and getting into the weeds of it and un, understanding what you need to do to get it done. And then the row was the row, um, which was a great experience, but it was extremely horrendous as well, as I'm sure you're aware, because we're going to come on to the, all the mad shit that you do. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, it was it was it was a it was an awesome thing. It was because I talk about type one fun and type two fun, and that's that's classed in the type two category, which is essentially type one is going out and be your mates and you know all that sort of superficial stuff, which is great at the time. Type two is the stuff that you absolutely hate, and then the minute you finish, you're like, ah, it wasn't that bad. And then, but it's also what forges who you are. Do you know what I mean? I love that. And it, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is that something that, that what has come from your military? Did you, did you talk about that when you were in the, the SS? Did you kind of go, oh, this is, this is type one, this is type two, because it helped categorise it in your head? No, it came, it came about with, um, it, it was after, and it was me and Aldo that was sat, it was me and him sat down talking about it, and we are like, what is, what is that thing that you do when you do courses in the military that are they're like joining the Marines, you do recruit training as a, as a young lad. And then you're like, that was horrendous. You don't enjoy it. But then afterwards, you're like, ah, oh, it wasn't too bad, was it? Do you remember that time? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But um, so it was retrospective after the row that you, you kind of coined that and came up with that. Yeah, pretty much. It was, it was, it was, only, it was only after all the, all, the, all the life experiences that we'd had that we decided to start trying to categorise things. It's, I, think it was, I think it made it made it more worthwhile actually having a category to a, to a uh, sort of like affiliate with each experience, yeah. I suppose. I don't know. It's just a but, stupid but, conversation. But what I love about that is like, whether you kind of realise it or not, so Aristotle talks about this idea of eudaimonia. So he calls it eudaimonia because he felt that the word happiness kind of fell short a little bit. It didn't quite encompass what he was trying to achieve in his life. So this idea of eudaimonia basically is this idea of happiness and trying to strive to success, but it also comes mm -hmm. with um, just suffering and labor and it's gonna be hard. Mm -hmm. And that's because he said happiness without fulfillment is failure. So it's just this idea yeah. of like, if you, as you just said there, a great example I would say, if I gave you a million pounds right now, you'd be happy. Of course you'd be happy. You'd be like, I've got a million pounds. It's amazing. But would you be fulfilled? Would, you, would it be? What, exactly. It's about the journey. Exactly. It's, exactly. It, it, yeah. It, it is about the journey. Because I'm like, it, like it's, it's like the situation now where everyone is in and you're like, everyone's like, it's really difficult. And, and I'm like, yeah, but don't think about the now you know imagine when it's all over and you'll be like 
and you'll have got through it and things start to get to back to normal. You know, you've gone on a journey and the, and the dark times make the light times even lighter. hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what's weird is whether you realised it or not, you kind of, and this, this is something I kind of talk about in my new book, which, which gets a little bit deep, but talking about how I spent um, a, a month going on an okugaki. So this is a pilgrimage with the Yamabushi warrior monks. You basically you go into the mountains. I'm going somewhere with this, Jay, so it gets weird. But I, <laughs> you do a marathon uh, in the mountains, uh, drinking green tea, meditating under ice-cold waterfalls, you know, similar to SAS in Death Winds, I suppose. Wear it without the green tea. <laughs> yeah, basically. Where, where, where was it, uh, sorry? Japan, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah, yeah so, go, carry on. So sorry. yeah, we went, I lived with the Yamabushi monks out there and I was a trainee Yamabushi monk. And... Um, this idea of an okugaki is basically this idea of, of self-discovery through self-discipline. So it's this idea yeah. of just the process going on that. This idea as well with Einstein, um, adversity introduces you to you. So it's this idea that we humans, when you look back through the anthropology of us humans, through every different culture, whether it's uh, Aborigines going walkabout, um, whether it's uh, the, uh, uh, the Maasai tribe going and hunting a lion, it's this idea of you know, self-discovery through self-discipline. And Again, it comes back to eudaimonia with Aristotle. But what I love is you're almost doing a modern version. And I love, I, I wasn't quite expecting that answer when I said, why did you write? And you went, I hate it. <laughs> but it was the process. So you were sent. Yeah, exactly. That was an okugaki for you. That was, that was similar. Yeah, it was, I like the way you say I've, I've modernised it. I think I've simplified it because <laughs> I don't put myself in the category of Aristotle for <laughs> <laughs> not by a long stretch <laughs> no but even equally on that i mean there's even and i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but the tandai monks as well so when i was out in in japan they told me about another sect of monks and this this story always resonates it's crazy in the, they're called the marathon monks and they basically run a thousand marathons in a thousand days and to complete this pilgrimage this self the self-discovery through self-discipline over the first hundred days, you're basically, you're allowed to go to the senior monks and go, do you know what? This isn't for me. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to backdoor boogie on this. Oh, what was I thinking? And they'll let you go. But historically, what they used to do is after a hundred days, this is way back in the day now, but historically, yeah. they used to hand you a small sword and a rope after the hundredth day. Because the only way that you finish is basically by finishing it or taking your own life. You know, it was this idea of that's how extreme and, and, and serious they took it. And there was something about mm. that, that when I was told this story, it was, I mean, as you can imagine, pretty morbid and certainly sombering, but you stand there thinking like, wow, we've been doing this years. So I get it when you and Aldo were like, let's just go row across there. Do you like rowing? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why are you doing it? And it's only since you've come back that you yourself are articulating it. I find it fascinating and I love that. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. expecting the answer. I thought you'd at least love rowing or something, but no, I love that. Well, I mean, you've done, I don't even know where to start because it's just bonkers, but <laughs> how did you, I'll tell you where we start. What was, what was it like being Ross as a kid? How were you introduced to being the person you are now? Yeah, I, so, so I think the weird thing is um, my family always ever loved this sport. So my dad's a tennis coach, mum was a sprinter. Uh, one granddad was a marathon runner. The other one was in the military. So mm. um, I've kind of grown up with, with you know, stories of uh, Roger Bannister running the first sub four minute mile. You know, when people, <coughs> leading physicians at the time said, like, humans can't run under a four minute mile. It just can't be done. You know, your legs will fall off. Lungs will explode. They, they were just like, it just can't be done. 
But Roger Bannister, who, who was actually a medical student himself at the time, just laced up his trainers and was like, nah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go, hold my beer. And off he went. And, and it was the same with, with Captain Webb, you know, 1875, first guy to swim across the English Channel. And they just said, you just can't be done. You know, the tides are too strong, water's too top cold. You just can't be done. Um, and I always loved this. On a diet of beef broth and brandy in a woolen wetsuit, he just smashed it, breaststroke, all the way across because front crawl was ungentlemanly-like at the time. And I love that. And so I was growing up with stories like that. Hang on a minute. A woolen wetsuit <laughs> sounds horrendous. <laughs> bring, hey, I'll tell you what, bring that back. Bring it back. I, I'm, I'm putting it out there. You've got to do the next challenge in a woolen wetsuit. <laughs> There we go. Did I hold my beer. <laughs> but no, this is exactly it. And it's stories like that that you just think, you know, as a kid, I couldn't help but be inspired by that, by my dad and my, my granddad. He was a great storyteller. So he'd be telling me stories of this. And so certainly when I would say, you know, oh, I'm going to swim around Great Britain or I'm going to, I'm going to run a marathon pulling a car, you know, and it, my family just kind of go, yeah, that seems, that seems like a decent way to spend the weekend or, or five months as the Great British Swim was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was a bad idea, wasn't it? <laughs> it I don't, well, I don't know. We, we, we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> I have seen a bit on it, obviously, because you've been all over the bloody TV and it's, it's been an amazing, it was an amazing journey to follow, actually. Oh, it was, you know, it was, no, it was good. It was, and I, I, was, I, was, I remember watching it and watching it all unfold and, you know, the, there was reports coming in and there's this guy swimming around the, <laughs> Great Britain, and you're like, ah, that sounds fucking horrendous. It's like, and then people, are t- you, you, you were talking about, didn't you have something going on with your tongue? Oh, Jason, or... yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, salt tongue. Yeah, so, so, That's it. Yeah, there we go. So basically, um, when, you, you know, you, the human body's not meant to be in salt water for that long. So, you know, mm. certainly your mouth as well, it, it, the salt water extracts all the moisture from your tongue, and then it just basically mm. starts falling apart. And, there was one bit, uh, this, I mean, this was pretty, this was a pretty ropey part of the whole swim, but we were sat in the galley and we were served this um, amazing soup. It was like a rich vegetable soup. It was really nice. Everyone was tucking in, like me with the crew and I'm sitting next to the captain, Matt. And uh, I remember like, you know, having mine, there was like bits of carrots in there and broccoli. It was amazing. And then I looked over at Matt's because there was something slightly different about my bowl. And I looked and I said, like, I said, Matt, I said, how, what is this? How, have I got chicken? Is this, is this pork? I said, like, no, I know what's coming. I, said, I know what's coming. How come you haven't got any in yours? Like, why is mine different? And Matt, yeah, leant over and just went, mate, that's, that's not pork. That's your tongue. <laughs> it was just <laughs> bits of my tongue in my suit. So, oh, <laughs> it was terrible. So, yeah, it's at that point right. that you just think, yeah, like, and, and, and again, actually, you'll get this, that I think when you look at, like, Ranel Fines and, you know, Shackleton and great stories like that, it's like, you think, and I certainly did at the time, I just thought, is this like a penance that you have to pay to swim around Great Britain? Is this like the toll that it's going to take? And this is what you have to pay mm. to Mother Nature, Poseidon, the ocean, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, look, if, if, if I leave with half a tongue, then, then, that, then that's what I'll do. So we... That's, that's, that's you paying the ferryman. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. It's exactly it. And your mind goes to a weird place. But I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Paying the ferryman. I... I... I had, yeah, I didn't get salt tongue on the row. I got salt hoop. Oh, and, is, is um, that what I think it, it is? Was, it, <laughs> it was horrendous. I, I, had a, I, had a boil, I had a boil. 
I went to sit down one day towards the end of the row and I just literally almost launched myself into <laughs> into space. And uh, I, I, Aldo had to, for a week, had to basically nurse. It was, it was a, a really big boil on, on my hoop. <laughs> I've never Al, heard Al, that. <laughs> Al, Aldo, Aldo had to lance it. <laughs> As in, in medically, medically. He had, to, <laughs> he, had to, he had to lance it morning and night. Oh, anyway, and how, I've never heard of that injury. I've seen pictures of hands and everything like that, but that's amazing. Like, I think it was. Uh, we all suffered from something like that, and it's again, humans aren't supposed to really be dealing with salt water or, or a byproduct of it, which is obviously crystallized salt, yeah. which is obviously getting just ground into when you sit on your ass for a considerable amount of time. You know, rowing backwards and forwards as you do, like you do on your erg. But the, your, your erg I'm fascinated by that. So that was because you were, it was two months you were basically out there. So, so at what point did that set in? And how long did you have to endure that to the end? That's, we, we all started to get serious sores on our backside probably, probably a month in. But it, it, everyone got it. One one person would have it first, yeah. and then it would. And we would. We were always. We were trying to fashion like. They, I suppose they were like you know the cushions you get if you've got piles. Yeah. So we were like we would take we we decide the best way to do it is we'd get a t shirt an old t shirt, fashion some sort of pile cushion, wrap it in black masking tape. We had it was actually silver masking tape. Yeah. Wrapping in silver masking tape, which then formed this, we, we called it the space pretzel. So there was like this, it just looked like a metallic pretzel. And then, um, yeah, it did. But then, uh, you know, s- someone would fashion one that was, you could see when he sat on it that it was awesome. And everyone's like, can I borrow your, um? and he's like, Run. and then what happened? And obviously at first you're like, yeah, of course you can borrow it. And then you realize that because there's, it's got constant weight on it because it hasn't had a, any breaks it just flattens down and becomes useless so then everyone became really everyone became really precious about their space pretzel and they'd be like <laughs> someone would be like well yours is really good can you borrow it and you're like no, no fuck off i fucking made it i put the time and effort into this oh that's amazing how did you cope with the pain after that then because what i love there is this idea of just you like strategically managing suffering which is what I define as resilience. So the, the space pretzel was you guys going, look, we need to limit limitations here. And the limitations... Yeah, uh, it was mitig- that was pain mitigation. Yeah. But ultimately, the, the pain doesn't go away. It, it, it's relieved for a short period of time. And I think a lot of it is... You, people keep talking to me about, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? And I'm like, everyone can do it. You've got... It's up here. It's like, you just tell yourself... This is you, you basically condition your mind to knowing that that is the way it is. This is the way, as they say on The Mandalorian, which is a great <laughs> series, by the way. I've just finished it. It is, it is the way. It is the way. And as long as you, you've got, you're able to say, well, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to last forever. Mm. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. And you, you just, and, and you're like, ah, and I've got a goal here. I need to get this done because I'm, this is what we've come out here to do. Yeah. And I suppose, and I, I think after a while, it's you keep saying, you know, you, you know, if you keep saying something to yourself, yeah, yeah. And, and and you have a little bit of, is that it comes down to determination as well. 
there's got to be some determination. And what I love there is it, is it almost like recalibrates your mind. You like you know your own perceptions pain mm. that I found since the GB swim now, it's just I don't, like something might happen. I'll be swimming, you know, get stung by a jellyfish. And I'm like, look, it's it's not a giant jellyfish of Scotland. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, I'll go and swim sometimes and it's you know, they're not 10 foot waves. I'm not in an Arctic storm, you know, so I'm like, it's, it's not yeah. so bad. But I love what you said yeah. there as well, because it's this idea of um, stress induced analgesia, which, you know, analgesia, as analgesia being the suppression of pain, and stress induced analgesia is kind of related to fight or flight. So this whole idea of like when you see an injured animal that will fight to the death because it's just kind of so powerful and primitive, these mechanisms within its brain. So I love what you said that everybody, I believe, has that it's just whether you're prepared to use it because it's not pleasant it's, yeah. to use that mechanism it always, it's about how, do you want to tap into it that's the problem yeah. no not the problem that's that's the that's most hurdles for people they they probably don't think it's there so they don't know that they can tap yeah. into it yeah or, or they don't or do they really want to go do i really want to go there i can sit on the couch and do nice things and watch the tv yeah do i really yeah and actually, if people understood that the feeling and the, and the sense of pride and achievement afterwards is makes makes it almost it it's the we go back to the journey. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We go back to but the. But that's journey. what I love. It comes full circle. So when it, when you are there and like you said, you know, you are having problems with the hoop, and you're just kind of sitting the same with my tongue. You you have to. I always say as well, you have to. Your your reasons to continue need to be bigger than your reasons to quit. And that, if you're prepared mm. to do that, row after row, stroke after stroke then you will get to the mm. end. But so many people mm. aren't prepared to do that. And that's, that's fine, but you just need to know before you start. And, and I found this fascinating about this series of um, SAS Who Dares, the celeb version, because I loved listening to people's reasons for doing it. When you quiz them in the interrogation room, um, there was Helen, who I thought was amazing. Um, mm. And I thought it was really interesting that she was so strong that she derived her power from uh, her kids. And she was saying, I just want them to, to look at me um as in a different mm. and i thought that was amazing that's like real kind of like amazonian you know there's a real there's a real purpose there isn't yes there? Isn't that yeah she she had uh, just for people that haven't watched it or or have maybe forgotten about it she's got an amazing story where she spoke about this is helen skill and she spoke about she was in france about she went into labor in her kitchen she was on the, on the on the floor in the kitchen trying to phone the ambulance whilst her other son was hitting her over the head with a plastic sword. <laughs> <laughs> and then when and then when once once she'd got once she'd got through the language barrier and thought right okay someone's coming to help me a fire engine turned up. <laughs> oh no, I didn't know that. That do you know what I mean? That puts it in perspective. I would do a second lap yeah. of Great Britain and do that. She's amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. I know. Wow. I've, I've, yeah. I do. I always, <laughs> yeah. But what? Child, obviously I can't get me around childbirth because <laughs> I'm a bloke, but I've, yeah. But you, in everybody that you've kind of coached and mentored as well, what I love is that idea of a higher purpose. So it's like, also this is not to get too deep again, but it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you imagine a pyramid for those listening in, at the base of the pyramid, there's physiological needs. So just sleep, food, warmth, mm. you know, and as you move up, there's kind of like um, uh, social needs, so your family and friends. But as you keep moving mm. up, there's prestige, a feeling of accomplishment. But as you move up a little bit more, there's that idea of self-actualization, which is, which is really like a higher purpose. And I've always mm -hmm. noticed whenever, and I, I'm a massive fan of SES Who Dares Wins, but the ones who always do well are always the ones who either 
have a higher purpose. Um, Locksmith as well, massive fan of him. And when he, I was tearing up when he was speaking about his, his mm. son. And I was like, wow. And that's why he essentially ran on, God knows what happened to his knee, but he was just determined, the mm. ligaments, tendons, and he carried on because of that higher purpose. That was, yeah, that was tough as well. That was, he, he went from, he went from being a strong, a strong contender to then becoming you. Everyone was like, "Well, hang on a minute. He's he's leaps and bounds ahead because of what we've just witnessed there." Because it was a tough, you know, it was a tough task, and he he trashed himself, you know, at the wrong time, but still, you know, didn't quit. Didn't you know? Mm. Yeah, really, 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 you know. Mm. It's funny, and it? it's when 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 the chips are down. That's when. That's when you want to see people yeah. putting in a shift. Yeah, but um, mate, again, we'll stick with the uh, the swim because <laughs> I mean, you could do about you. Could, well, you could probably talk about about it for about a month plus. But where did the idea come from? Yeah, and why? Yeah, so I, it's actually the British uh, military, specifically the Royal Marines. Um, I've got to thank for that. <laughs> it was uh, people, and again, you'll get this, Jason, because in uh, when I did the swim, a lot of people um, were, you know, saying, you know, why are you doing this? Is it is it for a higher purpose? And everything that we've just described, you know, and unfortunately, mm. I'm not a Helen. I'm not Locksmith. You know, I didn't have a a really profound reason, if I'm honest. And it was with the Royal Marines. I did a a training swim um, down. Um, at Limpston and the, the PTIs there, good friends of mine, just legends, they all camped on the side of the pool and let me swim so they could lifeguard. So I swam for 48 hours nonstop. And um, mm. I got out, I basically got the early signs of trench foot and my hands were all just basically just like mangled up. And I'm sitting, the, yeah. the officer's mess. Um, my friend, uh, Ollie, uh, Captain Ollie Mason, and uh, one of his friends came over as well, like this old guy, amazing mustache, you know, proper kind of Royal Marine officer, absolute legend, comes over and he just goes to me, yeah. Uh, he goes, you boy, uh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm, said I'm, I'm, I'm training. And what I was doing at the time is I was training for the world's longest current neutral swim. So that means basically right. swimming around like Bermuda or somewhere where there's no current. And so, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> a lot. Sounds easy, but there are also a lot of sharks. Yeah, it gets in, a little sharky. It gets a little sharky. <laughs> and it was, it was this Royal Marine officer who turned to me and he was just like, uh, what are you training for? And I said, oh, I'm training for um, the world's longest current neutral swim. And he, he paused and he looked at me and he just went, uh, can I be honest with you, young man? And I said, yeah, yeah, please do. And he said, uh, that just sounds a bit shit. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went, what do you want me to do about it? He goes, you just need to man up and swim around Great Britain. That's what you need to do. I shook his hand and I was like, uh. I was like, fine, fine. I'll see you when I get back. So one thing that I always, I like to tell that story because I just want people to understand if, if you're listening and you're thinking about doing an Ironman 10K, 20K marathon, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it can come from just mates like you and Aldo just being like, do you know what? Let's just, let's crack on. And what I love about what you said is for me, it was the process. So I wasn't doing mm. it for a higher purpose in terms of kids, um, you know, for anything like that. I was doing it because I just wanted to do something for intrinsic reasons so the process is its own reward and i think if you do yeah. something for that it can also be very powerful as well it may it makes um it's exciting it's exciting the process if, I, some people some people will probably be sat there going what's exciting about planning something that's going to be horrendous you're like no it's you have you give yourself that purpose yes yeah. you, you, do you know what i mean yeah um i want to go quickly go just before we keep going on this one, 
Ross just mentioned there for everyone the early onset of trench foot or trench hand. I um I actually have experienced. I suppose it's trench foot's an old old sort of saying. Immersion foot is something I've 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 experienced. And I was I was sat in an observation position for a long period of time. Apps there was a few like four or five of us. We were it was horrendous weather. We were there for quite a long period of time living, and it was almost impossible to get to have dry feet. You know, you, you're in you know we're in a we're in a dangerous position, and you can't take your boots off and air your feet all the time because you know if something goes wrong, you ain't got time to start. Anyway, because of that, I, I ended up getting immersion foot. And it, I tell you what, after I came out, we came out of that position and I eventually get home. It is one of the most painful things. The, the recovery of that, of the whatever part of the body basically get, has to go through is unbelievable. I don't know whether you experienced it as well, especially with the swim mm. or anything like that. But just to put what I'm trying to get at is, just so people understand the enormity of what Ross has done. Humans aren't actually supposed to spend an awful lot of time in the water because it has a, like we spoke about with salt tongue, it just, you're not supposed to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I know that now. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. And that's why I think as well, the, the swim, it almost didn't become a swim because it wasn't going to become my arm stroke. You know, when people are going, do you bilaterally breathe? You know, how, what's your stroke rate per, per mile? I was like, no, 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 that's not the limiting factor. The limiting factor is um, salt tongue. The limiting factor is sea ulcers. You know, so again, you know, Jason talked about that where you get a wound, but then if you constantly mm. get in and out of the water, that wound's never healing because the scab is essentially coming off and coming off. So that wound's getting deeper yeah. and deeper and getting infected. And there was, there was times on the swim as well, like where I, I had wetsuit chafing so bad, my skin was like falling off. You could touch it and it would fall off. And um, I remember waking up like two o'clock in the morning, Captain Matt would be like, Ross, need you on deck, tides changed. And I'd have to basically just rip off the bed sheet off my wounds that were just kind of weeping, mm. rip it off and then get in. And that's why I always love chatting to people like yourself, Jason, because you, you get it in that it was no mm. longer swimming like people understand swimming it was it was completely yeah. outside of the realms of conventional sport you know you, yeah. and, and and i had to learn that and that's why i always come back to this idea of um no longer thinking like an athlete but trying to actually mm. learn from my friends in the royal marines and there was that, that one saying that always resonated with me they said ross you're an athlete so you're used to performing at your best when you feel at your best but we're all marines we're used to performing at our best when we feel at our worst and that always resonated with me that i was like yes Never, I like, the, I like the way them lads are bigging themselves up, yeah. But we're, <laughs> like, all right, mate, <laughs> no, but it, is, it, it is true, it is true, and that's that's the one thing that we found on um, this, especially the celebrity SAS. Oh, no, no, SAS, who does wins in general, is you get a lot of people that are unbelievable athletes, and and some of them are pro athletes as well, and pro professional athletes are attuned to delivering for a period of time that is it's there you know that's how long you're going to work for and we need you to be at your best there and you're going to get all this sleep and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to get this food and it's going to be awesome but once you once you remove those luxuries of knowing when things are going to finish 
not being cold, wet and miserable or being cold, wet and miserable and then not having enough energy put into you to, to burn, it's a massive game changer. You know, we've had some of the fittest athletes, I would suggest, come on to that show. And admittedly, some of them, I mean, I'll talk about Wayne Bridge. Mm. He's got, a, he is a machine. He's got purpose within his, mm. within his head. But yeah, it does, you, you, you know, it does, it's a, it's a game changer when you, when you take yourself out of a, of a comfort zone, mm. which obviously you did to it's, a, it's a, an unbelievable oh, degree. Oh, it's the same you're right. And, and for me, I, I wasn't almost aware of the, like sleep deprivation. So I was an athlete. I was, I was studied at Loughborough University. I was, I was swimming and, and playing water polo internationally. And so then to, to go and say, right now, do all of everything that you've learned, but do it on uh, 72 hours of no sleep, swimming across the Bristol Channel. You know, I was seeing things, I was hearing things. There was a, I remember swimming at night, they had the big torch um, so I could sight off the boat. So it was shining the light like that. And every time I'd breathe, I'd just make sure that I was, you know, about four meters away from the boat, swimming in a straight line. And with a, one lapse of concentration, I must have turned ever so slightly, looked up, and I was looking at the moon, thinking it was the light. And I started swimming towards that. So I was actually going, well, to Ireland, you know, like, so I just went like yeah. that. And um, they were like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And it's just that lapse of, of concentration. I mean, again, what's, what's your experience with sleep deprivation? You, you, you must have some horrendous yeah, stories. It's, I've, had a, I've had a few. I mean, you are, we always train. We try to make the training environments a lot harder than what they would be, you know, in real life. And you, I've done a few command courses in the Royal Marines, actually. So my junior command course and my senior command course. And they're, they're, I think they're about 16 weeks long, 15, 16 weeks, I can't remember now. And there's a lot of, you know, you're obviously in lectures a lot, you're doing, you've been taught to present, you've been taught to lead and, you know, what the leadership qualities are. But you do two, like, long exercises, I think they're about 10 days each, where you go out and you, you, you start soldiering, you're living in the field. I'll tell you what, you do not... I. I can't remember having any proper sleep for 10 days oh. and it got, it, it gets to the point where you, you, you're all right for a 24 hour period. Then you hit the pain of just being like, you fit, you're so tired, you feel sick mm. and then you get, and then that passes and you go and you just, you become almost, I think you become robotic where you, is you've just got into this thing and you, and you learn to grab, like a 20 minute nap you just lie on you and you you can sleep you can get you can literally go to sleep on a chicken's lip it's that, you're just like literally. i mean i can't think of anything more uncomfortable than trying to go to sleep on a beach but, but yeah that's you know it was and i can remember it it it's a weird thing but i mean what was your because you were talking then about you know, Captain Matt, is that the guy? Yeah, that was, yeah. That he comes into you and he's out, right, mate, Ross, up. You know, was, I take it there was a crew there that were constantly assessing the conditions. Mm. And if they were, because obviously everyone knows about the tide, don't they? And everyone thinks, oh, it's, it's set. But it doesn't always work like that around the UK. Oh, right, yeah. Because I've done a lot of diving, obviously, with my old job. And the amount of times you've, you've, you're planning a dive and you're like, right, I need to get from here to here. Okay, yeah, tide timetable says this, blah, blah, blah. And then you jump, you, you, get, you're like, you get in the water. And the next thing, you're, you're swimming. You're like, ah, what the, f what? hang on a minute. 
the tide's not doing what it's supposed to be doing and it's like you, you yeah. normally we we used to do what we call float tests where you just chuck a chuck an apple in and you're like, oh, right just watch it for a bit because a hundred percent the tide's not doing what it says oh, in that book massively. at the moment so right so you i take it you were literally really really reactive to whatever the conditions it's were and if you could if you could get distance in you just do it no matter what time of day it's exactly it that just yeah yeah and and that's it because with the people in the sailing community and the diving community they got it because they great britain's mm. renowned in the sailing community because of its odd shape the tides just mm. don't do you, you've got the coria vecan a giant whirlpool in scotland uh Pen, penland yeah. firth and this was a good one actually because penland firth a lot of um, swimmers would uh, who were amazing you know in, in the pool they're brilliant swimmers they'll be saying what's your top speed and i'll be going no 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 it's, it's not you, you don't understand when you're swimming out in open water like i'm talking sea swimming it's completely different your your shoulders are getting contorted by waves you know you're just like you're and they're like yeah, yeah but what's your top speed what's the fastest you've ever swum and i'm like no 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 no. but it would be wrong of me to give you a metric and they go just give me one and i'll go fine 14 knots and they go Michael Phelps swims at like five, you know, four miles per hour. And they're like, so you Yeah, but you're like, that's in a pool. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. So I did the Penland Firth. I, I, the, the cruising speed of a dolphin is like nine. So I was going faster than a dolphin. I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not that good a swimmer. That's not me. But, but I love that you brought that up because it, it, it just took swimming outside of, of conventional, you know. I tell, it's, it, I'll tell you what that I liken that to with, with, my, with, with something that I've done is we'll go back to the row because it is in water and everything. Mm. And you, we were talking to rowers and they're like, oh yeah, you need to, it's all about your, like the, the blade, the blade angle. And, and, and I, we were like getting bogged down with crikey. We've got a, the blade angle and, a, and the, the length of the, the, the pool and all this. You get into the sea uh, you, that doesn't matter. That don't matter shit because you've got wa you've got waves coming in at you from all angles, and you get. We used to have the, we used to have like sometimes a wave would create it. Just it's such a force that we we'd either have a tank slapper where the, you, you like literally you like you, you can't think about anything. You'd smash the oars off your knees because another wave would come in from a different angle. And it's like, but yeah, it was it is all that all the technical stuff sort of goes out the window I, it's survival it does, isn't it? it does and then also exactly what you said you could have someone with like beautiful technique like oxford and cambridge mm. boat race you know and they're, they're like <laughs> six foot ten and it's poetic but i love going to the talisca whiskey atlantic challenge because i look around and i'm trying to go oh who's good who's good i remember uh two years ago and it was uh, they were called the dutch atlantic four and i hope mm. i get this right but two of them were close to 60 and one of them was shorter than me. I'm 5'8", yeah, I'm a hobbit, and he was shorter than me. There's no way you would look over and go, they're gonna win. And they smashed it, but it was because of their weather reading. And also as well, one of them had a, a crazy ability to row while swimming. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, row while sleeping. He could, just, he could just be like that, and he would still be, his arms would still be moving while he was sleeping. And so that, that's, awesome. that's what I love what you just said there. It's, th there's so many different variables, and that's, for me, what separates, you know, like, looking at Everest, like Mallory, Hillary, you know, Tenzig, it separates that from a Kipchoge, you know, both amazing. Mm. It's just different, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how would, how would Mo Farah do uh, if you went and put, you know, 50 kilos on his back and went run up Everest now? It's different. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, there's always got to be that, that uh, specialization, you know, it's just because you're good at running. It doesn't mean you're good at running on all terrains. You know, if you're good at rowing, mm. it doesn't mean you're good at rowing over everything and that that's what i like 
Yeah, and I, I like the way you spoke about the the the, um, the sailing community. We when we did the row, we had um, on call my uh, my dad actually because he's he lives in the med on a boat. He lives oh, on wow. a yacht, but he is he has become somehow he is he he classes himself as a weather guru. He's a he's a lunatic. He speaks he, spe- he talks he talks about himself on Facebook in the third person. It's, I like but it. He, but what, but he, he really he really does know weather and sea and the war and the way the you know currents. And so we had him on speed dial on the sat phone and literally, where do we need to go? And he's like, right, everyone, calm down. I'm going to have a look at a few websites and I'll do some predictions. But so obviously you your your dad your version of my dad was captain yeah, Matt to a certain yeah. degree. who was incredible like i think uh, I, and i've said this in the book because i just kind of want what he did to be like immortalized in the sailing community it was it was people have since come up to me who know about sailing and they've gone what he did was incredible and i'm like yes like mm. I, I i wouldn't have done it without him like <laughs> you could be the best swimmer in the world unless you have a captain or in your case your dad you know, you yeah. be the best rower in the world. You're not going to get across the Atlantic unless you have that person. No. There's a, there's a, there's a definite. T, there's no matter even if you are like what you did. Obviously, it was you doing it, but there's still a team there. There's still support oh, elements yeah. that, that are critical to to success. Yeah. And what, what about seasickness? Um, I wanted to ask about that as well. Did you guys get that at all? Um, one of us did, not me. I don't. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I've only <clears throat> has been one time I've felt a little queasy and that was actually on a boat with my dad we were on a, a yacht we were sailing and there was wind was pushing us one way the, the, the sea was you know the tide the current whatever was pushing us another way and it was reasonably heavy seas and i went down to make a cup of tea oh. because i'd lost i'd lost i'd lost the horizon thing and i was on, i was in i was in the galley and i was like ah. and i always prided myself on not actually ever being seasick i've always actually embraced in fact loved it i love light i love big seas and, and i remember my dad he was obviously at the helm and I just came back up like that. <laughs> he, just like, he just started laughing at me. I was like, I, was like, I, need, to see, I need to see the, the edge of the world. Yeah, I, yeah. I did exactly the same. For, so for those listening, they'll know, like whoever been on a boat. Like I remember I left my goggles down in the cabin and, and it was just crazy. And I was like, and I just knew I had to go down. And when you go in and the whole cabin is just doing this and your brain and there's that disconnect between your brain and your eye and your balance. Oh my God. Mm. But what was weird about my swim is I'm always better in the water. 
So like, it was mm. always easier for me. If I felt sick on the boat, as long as the tide was in our favor, I'd just go, just put me in. Just put, just put me in. I'll be, I'll be better in the water. Um, apart from swimming through Dover and uh, Grimsby, where, because Grimsby, because of the way it's shaped, Lincolnshire, is really flat. So all the water, all the agriculture and everything, the fertilizer, Wash off. Is yeah. exactly it. So I was, I was swimming in straight up, like, yeah, it was poo. It definitely wasn't just water. I was like, that is, and it was brown. I, I couldn't see the hand in front of my face. And then um, that I felt pretty ropey. <laughs> I've, I've had, I've had one, I've been there um, just cause, and I'm not like, I've never eaten poo whilst <laughs> swimming. So I can't beat that, but I have come up, I've been diving. It was, it was in the med. It was actually, round Gibraltar way and what we do is every now and again you come up for a quick peek to see where you get you know make sure you're still on track I came up broached the surface and I was like why can't I see it was a daytime dive as well you know bright sunshine I was like why can't I see anything and there was there was basically this is going to be a little bit disgusting (laughs) for people but there was a there was a used panty liner (laughs) stuck to my because of obviously the sewage, I had a major freak out. But also, just quickly, so you 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 you're there saying you prefer to be in the water. You, you that's when you're at your optimum. You, you that's where you needed to be. We were talking about seasickness. I know I know people that have when we've been swimming underwater diving. I know guys that get seasick doing that, mm. and they they have to sort of like turn off their bu take it out and they bath into the, you know, they, they throw yeah. up and then go, go, go back onto the gas and crack on it. It's like, mm. it's all, it's, it's mad, mm-hmm. isn't it? What the, what the, what the sea does to human Oh, beings. massively. I mean, the weirdest, this is again, going off on a slight tangent, the weirdest I've ever done. So I was uh, cave diving in Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula. So I've got loads. Yeah, of, oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then, the cenote. The exactly, yeah. Been, yeah exactly yeah, it, yeah. And I was with um, Sam Meacham, who is incredible. He's, he's still kind of exploring unexplored, you know, cave systems down there. And um, mm. he said to us, uh, so for, for all of the, the panty liner stories and swimming in poo, I want to give the listeners something quite nice. <laughs> but there was this one bit where Sam Meacham was like, right, we're going down. And he said, um, I've got a surprise for you down there. And we were like, what? And he was just like, oh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. But he didn't tell us what it was. Went down. Carrying swimming, and it was called a halo climb. So it's essentially where the salt water and fresh water refuses to mix, and you just get this uh. wall like that. And what's crazy is you can basically put your hand in, and it's immediately warmer. Take it out, it's cold. Go through it, and you're more buoyant. Come back out, less buoyant. Yeah, yeah. Take your respirator, and then salt water. Yep, fresh water. It was. It's like something out of a sci-fi movie. So. Coming back to, like, I suppose the original thing, which is that idea of eudaimonia, that if you're going to prepare to put yourself in those situations, you get experiences like that, that you're just like, that is incredible. Like, but, but you're only going to ever experience that if you actually step out of your comfort zone. Exactly. It's about having the courage to take the leap of faith. It's exactly. I suppose the same with the row and the, and the swim, that if you're going to row across the Atlantic, you'll see sunsets, sunrises, dolphins, whales. Mm. You know, or you, or you can stay at home. And there's, there's no right or wrong answer. But I know I've always been that person who chases sunrises and sunsets. I think other people, you yeah. know, stay home. And, and, and if you're happy with that, that's fine. But, you yeah. know, I think that, that's a big thing that I... I agree. I agree. Um, I'll tell you what you've just reminded me of there is... Um, I, I talk about the planning of something and the, the, the journey. 
I remember I wasn't phased by the row. I was really looking forward to it, embracing everything that we needed to do. And then there was one day, and I was actually, I was in Ibiza, and I was sat on a beach. And I just looked out to sea. This was probably about a month, well, no, it's probably about three or four months before we were going to set off, around that time we were going to set off. And I like, looked out to sea, and I was just like looking into the expanse. And I suddenly got overwhelmed with anxiety, like, bloody hell. We're going to be rowing away from land. And I'm going rowing out into that soon. And I'm like, oh, my God, the, like, the enormity of it. It sort of started to, and I had to have a, have a little bit of a moment, you know, yeah, where you have a, yeah. give, you, give yourself this, the proverbial <laughs> slap around the face. And uh, did, was there ever, ever any of that going on? You know, did you have those sort of like moments of, oh, this is a big ask. Yeah, I, well, actually, I, I mean, I said this at the start. I, I completely acknowledge that I was so naive. I think like, because of everything that you've experienced and with your dad, you know what's out there. I didn't when I started. I, was, I, I always said, you know, be so naive that you start, but so stubborn that you finish. And I'll be so honest with you. Like I started and then was like two weeks in, tongue falling apart, you know, and I was like, I am massively out of my debt fear. Like, I, <laughs> I've made a mistake. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Looked on the tracker on the boat. And if you, you imagine, you know, Great Britain there. And I was like, you know, how far have we done? I've been at this for two weeks, solid day and night. And the tracker was like, you know, I still had the whole thing to go. And so I stopped yeah. looking at that. And I, I literally, I put a towel over it on the marine tracker because yeah. I had to focus on the process. I was like, stop looking at the end mm. result. Um, mm. so I think that was my moment, not necessarily like looking at, but just thinking, oh my God, like how far have we got to go? You know, having given it my all for two weeks and realizing I had just reached the Isle of Wight, you know, I was like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> but if, and, and that's that idea that like, and I talk about this quite a lot, but you know, you're far more powerful than your own mind allows you to believe because all of a sudden, all of these things were going on inside of my head. But I just thought if you focus on the process, you keep putting one arm in front of the other you will get around it's not going to be pleasant and it's the same I suppose when you're like you know my, my hoop is killing me I'm smashing my shins but if you, ref if you refuse <laughs> yeah, yeah. going nowhere fast as well <laughs> exactly but if you refuse to quit you know it's it's I can't remember who said it now but you know it's hard to beat a man who doesn't quit and it's just the idea yeah. of just constantly just getting in and I think not to sound too cheesy it's kind of a metaphor for life as well sometimes you don't have to be the best but if you refuse to quit and just grind out a result just for um, just for people listening how long did it take to swim around great britain yeah, uh, 157 days yes so the, <laughs> the the metrics were you swim six hours on six hours off six hours on six hours off because the tide changes every six hours so you're swimming 12 hours yeah. a day for 157 days and, and that's the thing if you look at the maths Swimming around Great Britain is easy because you just go, you just got to swim for 12 hours a day for 157 days and never stop swinging your arms. <laughs> but then within that, so much can go wrong. And, and I think it's the same with, with a row going on a yomp. You know, the, the same thing applies. The theory is mm. really simple. But when you're in it, when yeah. you're actually proper in the trenches, it, the battle goes on inside of your own head rather than your legs and your arms. It's all in your own head. And, and, and Kipchoge mm. talks about that when he broke the sub two hour marathon this year. And he said, you don't win marathons with your legs. You win it with your mind. And, and yeah. you know, I was like, yes, you know, you, yeah, I get that. Yeah. It, it's, it's true. Mm. Um, mate, what was, um, I mean, you, we, we could, we could literally talk about just that one thing 
for a long, long time. But what was it like when you finished? Where did you finish? Yeah, Margate. Yeah, um, which was, uh, <laughs> everybody says that, yeah. <laughs> Margate uh, geographically was a good location because if you imagine like, you know, there's you know, uh, England and then you come there. So you do the South Coast and you hopefully get around Scotland before the winter sets in. So, so, so yeah. geographically, it was, it was a good place. Um, but also mm -hmm. as well, like the people of Margate were just like amazing. They just came out. But, but, but worth, worth point, but, pointing out as well is, and, and this comes actually back to what we were talking about, that, that doing it for the right reasons. And this idea of being intrinsically motivated. So the process is its own reward, exactly what you were describing. And mm -hmm. extrinsically, where people will do it for uh, money, for records, for accolades. And I remember when I started um, the GB Swim, we, we, we left Margate. Um, there was like 10 people on the beach. Like if that, like, like literally, they, I think they'd come from the arcade or like the local butchers to see what was going on. There was a few local media. And then, and then um, the mayor, who was lovely, like she said a few words. And then even she was like, oh, okay, uh, you, uh, you best get cracking then. I've, I've got to get... I've, I've got to get to a jam festival. <laughs> and I was like, I, so I just waded into the sea. Like, but I said goodbye to my mum, my dad, my girlfriend, my brothers. I was like, bye then. I'll see you. Do you want to get back? And so I think understanding that if you're doing it for the right reasons, that doesn't matter. It, it didn't matter that no one yeah. was there. And I remember coming around mm. Scotland thinking, if you come in to Margate and like no one's there, no one cares. No one cares you somewhere around Great Britain. Is that still okay? And for me, in that really like, you know, Arctic storm, tongue hanging off. I thought, yeah, that's still okay. Cause I'm doing it because of the process, you know? Yes, yeah, it doesn't, you know, cause some people will be like, well, I've just, you know, I've just done that. But that's, if that's what you were doing it for, you probably wouldn't get to the end. It's, ex you know it's I mean? exactly it, yeah. And, and that's why I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with being extrinsically motivated where you go, I'm gonna do this for money. I've got, I've got uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Victoria Pendleton as well from the previous <laughs> Celeb SESU Desert. Yeah. You know, she's a legend. I did uh, the GQ Hero Awards with her and she openly sort of talks about her mental battles and said that she just was doing it for gold. You know, so extrinsic. She just wanted to win a gold medal. And she's one of the greatest yeah. cyclists we've ever produced. So she knew yeah. why she was doing it, which was extrinsic. But I think when you're intrinsically motivated in those dark moments where you're like, no one cares. Mm. <laughs> There's 10 people nah. from the media. Um, but, and again, to come back to, to you, when you came into Antigua, you probably just like come across the Atlantic going, can I have a beer with Aldo and reminisce on type two fun? Yeah. Is well, that we, enough? We, we did. Cause yeah, we did. I mean, weirdly, cause we didn't do that. The Talisker route. Oh, you did another one. We, we, no, we set off. So we decided to go rogue again, <laughs> the rogues. We sort of, and we, what we did was, um, we set off in Portugal, Lagos. Yeah. And we wrote, we wrote to Venezuela, so we did Europe, mainland Europe to mainland South America. Wow. Um, and, you know, obviously we set off and there was, there was actually a few people did turn up, you know, to see what all the commotion was at. It's only because there was restaurants, everyone was on holiday in everyone sort of holiday, it was in January, but it was, you know, there was people in their restaurants and there was four, four or five blokes getting onto this tiny boat that they'd been packing up for the last few days. You had no like, fanfare. You know, no, you literally just... <laughs> we had a, we had a few family, few family were there. Oh. Uh, yeah, and then we, then we set off. And then at the end as well, because it's Venezuela, which is an extremely dangerous country. Of course. 
we we had to go in under cover of darkness because apparently there was pirates and drug runners and gun dealers, arms dealers and all sorts of weird stuff going on. We went in, GPS fixed, jumped off the boat. Everyone fell over because we couldn't walk because we hadn't walked for, for however long. And then we had to go and row back out into a storm to get to Trinidad. So it was like, and again, you know, there was family there. Yeah, of course. But we got there so late at night that there was nothing else much. I love on. that. So it was purely intrinsic for you because there was, there was genuinely no fanfare. Like literally, you just rocked into a welcome party of pirates in Venezuela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> we, we were hoping for no party at all, to be fair. <laughs> Man, I love that. See, this is what I mean. I think, like, for anyone listening, if you embark on something and you know the reasons why you're doing it and you're happy with, with whatever the outcome is, so for me, I just, mm. I, I, it sounds weird, but I just want to be a weird old man who can walk anywhere on the coast of Great Britain in my Speedos and just sit there and go, <laughs> I swim around there. Like, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah. With some fitness with a big belly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sometimes forget that I've rode the Atlantic and, then, and sometimes I'll go somewhere and I'll see like the word Atlantic and I'm like, oh yeah, I've rode across that. <laughs> That's, that's, I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I can, I've can. i got a link to something massive that's part of the planet that yeah. I did. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I get it. But you just want to be an old man, just sitting there, like in your rocking chair with like, you know, a cigar and a whiskey, like just going, hey, Atlantic, mm. completed it. It's, <laughs> it, it. it's happening now. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> um, mate, move, move, moving on. You've, we've, we've spoken about that and it, it deserves a lot more time than we're giving it, but you've done some other stuff. Do you know what I mean? You've done, you know, you've, you've pulled a mini around Silverstone for 26 miles. Um, world's longest rope climb. Here we go. Yeah, that was a, that was a terrible idea, that one. Yeah, so uh, climbed a, a 20 meter rope repeatedly until I climbed the height of Everest. So 8,848 meters. Um, my God, like Jason, like my hands, they've only just forgiven me, I swear. Like the calluses, uh, I burnt through mm. uh, gardening gloves, burnt through them on the rope. Again, you'll understand this from your training, but there's a, such a technique to rope climbing. Yeah. People, people don't understand, yeah. do they? It's, it's, no. Ex- yeah. It's, if you don't get it right as well, I've seen many strong men and women not master it and they can't climb. Yeah. They just, you, you, there is a, and then the Royal Marines actually pride themselves on being very good at rope climbing. Mm. And I, I found very quickly on there that it's not even about the arms. It's more like toes to bar to use a CrossFit kind of, mm. you know, if you're yeah. pulling like that, you're like after, after, you know, 19 hours it took, a bicep tendon would have gone, you know, something, it would have just given up. So it, that was similar, I suppose, to the swim and the, your row in that it taught me to look at like what's going to go wrong very quickly and it could have been like a bicep tendon or, or something like that but even my hands like because i remember like I, it was about 14 13 hours in and, and people were like okay he's gonna do this so we're approaching the end um but i'd been eating like all through the night to fuel this so I, like, I really needed to go to the toilet as well and so i was like oh guys the media turned up and i was like i'm just gonna quickly run to the toilet so i went to one of these cubicles because it, it was at an obstacle race so i went to one of those like little mm. portaloo things uh, yeah. went to the toilet and then uh, realized I, I couldn't actually grip the, the toilet paper. I had no dexterity in my hands um, to, to essentially wipe my own bum. So I'm sitting there <laughs> like this with my trousers around my ankles. I can't even pull my trousers up as well. I'm like going, 
what am I going to do? And um, God bless him to this day. I still don't know who it was, but <laughs> I'm bouncing around the cubicle, clearly having like trouble. And there was someone, probably an elderly gentleman from his voice. He was Swedish as well. And he just was like, are you doing okay in there, buddy? And I was like, no, like I'm, I'm really in trouble. And I told him what had gone on. And so he folded little squares of toilet paper and posted them underneath. <laughs> so I couldn't <laughs> lie. My own and then I emerged. I came out of the cubicle wanting to thank him and he disappeared. So, you know, not all heroes wear oh. capes. <laughs> Mate, that's awesome. What, what, what an awesome bloke. He has no idea what he helped contribute. No, no to idea. And it's quite, quite, quite a key, key thing. Uh, we've, we've spoken a lot. And I know I'm very conscious of time, but, 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 what, um, I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about, social media, mm. you got, like, I have a very, I have very much a love-hate relationship with social media, there's different platforms, and each platform, have you noticed each platform has its own character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's own, own idea. Yeah. some of them some 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 platforms i like some yeah don't. yeah and uh it's weird what's your relationship with it all because obviously you've you've done stuff now and you've done some amazing stuff and because of that you generate a following and you've got a presence yeah so, well, I'm, I'm intrigued to know about this yeah i i have exactly the same outlook as you i think in that uh i like certain platforms because you can create a little tribe you know and those people it's like-minded mm. people so, you know, that's, that's kind of, it brings out the best in people um, in that with the GB swim, people were posting going, I've just signed up to an Ironman because I watched your swim. I've just signed up to this. Yeah. And that I love. But that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. But equally on, on the other side, it, it, social media has given uh, everybody a voice. And again, it's this whole idea of, um, you know, just knowing when to pay attention, when not to. But on the start of the GB swim, uh, to, to be so honest with, with you, you know, there was a lot of people who were almost like angry that I was even attempting it. And that some of the comments were like really like brutal, just like, oh, he's never, yeah. never going to do it. I'll give him five miles. And, uh, you know, he looks like a, a, a dwarf bodybuilder. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> there was loads. And so I was like, okay, you know, fair enough. But it's, it's funny how I think you can you can use the power of social media. It's kind of like, it's like a hammer. You know, you can build a house with a hammer or you can punch yourself in the nuts with it. Like, you know, it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, how do you want to use it? And, and, and so I've always tried to use it uh, for, for good, uh, but equally it's a strange place. And I know this sounds a bit weird and I don't want to sound like old, but like, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but coming from Loughborough University, uh, there was a period when if you trained, um, it was because you were making your body an instrument, not an ornament, you know, as, as, I, as I quite often say. So if you saw a big like guy, you'd be like, mate, oh, rugby? Yeah. You know, what do you do? Some gymnast with massive biceps would be like, gymnastics? They'll go, yeah. And then what yeah. happened since I left uni, there's become a big trend in fitness where a lot of people will train for aesthetics. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just mm. came from a sporting background. So now there's a lot of, and I'd, I'd really dislike the term, but fitness influencers. And it's just, it's a bit like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like what, what's happened there? And, and, and I think the only thing that makes me slightly sad sometimes, and that's why I try to use my platform to shout these people out, is there are some brilliant 
brilliant people in strength and conditioning um, who have got so much to say and so much to contribute, but they've, they've never quite got social media, so they don't have a platform. But then there are other people who, who have got a big platform. So it's a weird place, I find, and I'm trying my best to navigate it, but it is a bit of a minefield, is kind of what I think. So what, what about yourself? What's, what's your take on it? Um, it is... It is what it is. The presence is required because it does help. I do fight like you, you know, your hammer analogy, it is a double edged weapon. Mm. You've got to be careful you don't cut yourself with it. Mm. But um or you couldn't actually you can yeah, yeah, you could say something or do something which is a little un is a little worrying because you could, you know, mm. you could you could get a lot of unwanted attention, but you know, I try to use it for good. I try to I try to remain positive on there, you know, I don't I don't talk about anything. I'll talk about the fact that I am a human being and that I experience, you know, all manner of emotions, but I try to show that there's always a silver lining and, and that we should be remaining positive throughout. And I try to talk about the fact that, you know, you're allowed to be, I use it, I use it a lot for mental health. Yeah. I think, as well. See, I love that. I, that. I think that's one of the best things that you can do that when you have a clear congruent kind of direction and purpose coming back to that, then you'll attract people who follow you for all the right reasons. And I think that's what's mm. important. And for me, like I said, I, I'm so often just like, I, I'm, I suppose, a weird athlete-adventurer hybrid. Uh, I'm kind of mumbling my way through this whole thing. I write books because I'm trying to make sense of it just as much as anyone else. Like I like to, I love mm. philosophy, so I talk about that. And I think if you do yeah. that, then the right people will come on and it becomes a melting pot and a sharing of ideas, which is brilliant. Yeah. You know, that, that's one thing that I do yeah. like about it. So I love that it's the same with you, with everything that you've talked about with mental health. You have no idea how many people you can help. And that's, that's nice. I do try to have a laugh on it as well. <laughs> I, try to, I try to make light of stuff so people can laugh at me maybe. But yeah, um, yeah social media, what a, what a, what a minefield <laughs> that is. is. Um, mate, you spoke about something then. Um, it was the the fitness thing. You know, you are, you know, you're in good nick. You are a tank, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But but what but what I'm trying I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. Doesn't, doesn't need to be done. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, um, or get to the point I'm trying to get to is what? How were you physically at the end of the swim? Oh, yeah. I'm, do you know what? I'm glad you asked that, actually, because I think a lot of people's lasting memory of the swim was coming into Margate, you know, and you know, going, oh, yeah, he'd finished. But there was a whole period afterwards, which um, basically almost being incredibly fit for swimming, but like not much good at anything else. Basically, you know, yeah. my, my legs, I'd skip leg day for 157 days. You know, I, I, try, I tried uh, running. I love going fell running in the Lake District. And I went with some of my friends. And was like, Jason, just, just embarrassingly slow. Not even slow. Like I, I, ran, I remember looking at my watch and I was like, oh, honest, oh, maybe like half a kilometre and my legs were done. You know? And so I think it was, I'm glad you asked that because I always want people to uh, understand that fitness is very specific. You know, in that, that people are going, oh, Ross is so fit. He swam around Great Britain. I'm like, yeah, put me in and, uh, the sea and I'll swim for 12 hours. Get me to go and run and I'm awful. And... I think people need to, to, to realize that exactly the same comes back to what we spoke there about um, when you're mentoring and coaching um, different people coming through the SAS uh, uh, series that 
it's like, yeah, you might be a great runner, you know, but how are you going to do on sleep deprivation when we put a weight on your back? How are you going to do with the cold? It's so specific. And um, yeah, that, that's one thing that I found that for, for months afterwards, I had to just get back to like life on, on land. How, how, even with the sleep, like my, my sleeping, I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking that the tide was going to change because I'd just been conditioned like that. Have you experienced something similar when you've been deployed coming back? Have you just found that you've been kind of like still maybe like on high alert, unable to sleep? Yeah. 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 That's that, that happened that I, I never really noticed it. And then there was one time and I've written about this when we came back, I came back from a six month tour trip away. And then I just, I caught myself. I was walking down the high street shopping and I was, and, and, and 15 hours before I was involved in a, in a, an, an explosion away it got, got we got no no one got hurt it's all good it was a it was a good explosion well not really a good one but you know what oh, I mean. yeah. and um you know there's all this commotion then and, and then it was like that fifth there was a 15 hour period that i can't really remember and then i'm walking down pool high street and i'm like what the what's going on it was like it was weird i, I can't even to this day i can't really explain it but it's yeah, there's. But how, and how, it's a how weird did you thing. process it? Did you did you just stop in the middle of the street? Did you like? Did you go home? Did you like? What? How did you process it? Because I I, 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 I came back on that. the only re yeah the only reason I remember it is because I was actually having an out of body. You're gonna think I'm a weirdo, but I felt like the way I remember it is I was having an out of body experience and I was actually looking at myself from above. I could see myself stood in the middle of the high street, like wondering what what life was all about and why I couldn't remember a 15 hour slot where I've obviously traveled a long distance back home and couldn't really remember walking out the, the house mm. and going to the shops. It was, I don't know. I think it was just, maybe that's what needed to happen for me to sort of um, become aware and deal with whatever comes from doing all that sort of stuff. It, it, it does. Know. It's weird. I've, I, got, I've gone off on a weird tangent. No, no, but it's a good one because I think similarly, I mean, not, not as a comparison at all, but, it, it took me, the reason that, that my book has taken me two years to write is because I had to reverse engineer and deconstruct the whole thing because I couldn't make sense of it. Mm. I was sleep deprived. There was adrenaline. Like the, 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 your brain plays like tricks on you. So I had to go through um, the, the captain's log that Matt was reading. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. So I, 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 to a similar extent, I get it in that you have these experiences and it's not until long afterwards that you can actually start to, um, start to deconstruct it. You're... Your book, the way you did your book, the way you've just captured it there in a very short period of time sounds a lot like mine. Mm. As in, I was, you know, it, it took a long time to do. And I didn't do it alone. There was a guy called Matt Allen who is an absolute genius. He's the guy that does all the hard work mm. writing. Mm. But we sat, we'd sit down for hours and basically deconstruct my experiences. And then what we did was we were able to get, I managed to find this, I thought I'd lost, I thought I'd never see her again, the, the psychotherapist that helped me to, in my dark times. And we managed to find her, Alex, and we actually, I was like, look, have you still got your notes on me? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm giving you permission. I want yeah. to be able to, I want to put that, and I want to look at it and put it into the book so it gives some context as to what else was going on. So it sounds like her notes are like Captain Matt's mm. 
log log book. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent. And I think what I love about that is for anyone listening, like sometimes when they perhaps see social media again that they'll look at your social media my social media and think oh wow you know that's cool like oh yeah and it's like no like there's you know it, even in our own heads there's this huge kind of like uh like mm. the homework that needs to be done and that's what's been really yeah. nice as well and even talking to people like yourself it's nice to sort of say uh, like the ancient stoic like stoic philosophers like marcus aurelius epictetus you know that they were doing the same thing thousands of years ago they would have had the same zoom mm. call sort of going like yeah. i'm trying to make sense of this like you know uh, you know I'm, i lost a loved one uh, there's uh, plagues existing like you know years ago there's wars with marcus aurelius trying to keep his empire together and he'd be going like, mate, like, what do you do? And Epictetus would be like, oh, mate, so this is what I think. Like, this is how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the only way you can do it is by having people around you who, who can understand it and talk. Because when you've just said about that, you know, walking down Paul High Street, I'm like, yes, okay, cool. Because I had the same thing, you know, that when I finished the mm. So that, that's what I love. And I think that, yeah, that there's sometimes people look on social media and go, oh, Ross has got all of his... Uh, all of his thoughts together and he's I'm like no <laughs> like no mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all a journey yeah yeah it's all that yeah journey, it's exactly it? it yeah so the art of resilience it is out yeah, uh, um, yeah two days ago it was out yeah so it's just launched there we go this is a very timely <laughs> podcast isn't it <laughs> um did you enjoy writing it i i did i did um but it was just it was very hard like so to to uh, just, just there was, for instance, a lot of people saw the swim unfold online on social media and everything. But um, I spoke about it in the book, and I wasn't going to put it in the book. But my uh, my dad, who I dedicate the book to, he um, it was around Scotland that he uh, was diagnosed with uh, terminal four uh, stage four cancer, so terminal. Um, and I, 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 as you can imagine, I was just like, I'm right you know screw the swim I'm, I'm going back on land I'm going to be with the family like you know that doesn't matter swim doesn't matter and um my dad who who was still thinking stoically I, I wasn't and so again to come back to me thinking rationally and I was this heroic swimmer who couldn't be phased it's like no it couldn't have been further from the truth I was ready to just like go back and give my dad a hug I just wanted to be with my mum and dad mm. and my dad um made me promise in Scotland he said no 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 no. you're not thinking straight and he said like you you can come home and you can be with the family um but it has to be via Margate you have to finish what you started so again it's just this idea of um reflecting on that was hard in the book and and, and that's mm. why it's taken so long for me to to, to process that um and, yeah. and 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 also I didn't even want to I didn't I didn't even want to talk about it, but it was again it was just because my dad is such a legend um and it's, he's still fine now immunotherapy is amazing and he's, he's still fine now um, but it was, uh, it was just, it was just the fact that he, he, he could think so clearly and mm. cognitively with clarity. Whereas I was just thinking sleep deprived, tongue falling off. I was like, I just, I just want to hug my dad. <laughs> I just want to hug my mum. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He needed, he, 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 he was your, um, he was your, like, I call it like outsourcing common sense, almost like a compass of common they, sense. He, he was your common sense. Yeah, yeah he absolutely, yeah. I, I wasn't Absolutely. thinking right. And, and, and but you, he, he's coming in from an angle, a different angle, which is always good. It's always good to get another It's opinion. exactly, it's exactly it. Yeah. So that, that's why that was hard to write in the book. And there's a lot of other stories that was really hard to do. Again, probably exactly the same as you though, like right, reading through the notes 
you must have been like, oh, of your psychiatrist, like, ah. Oh. Mate, c- complete, I thought that we did about two or three sessions and it was done. I, I, I genuinely still think that. We, I, right. I saw her for like two, saw her for two years, <laughs> 18 months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was like, when I said that, she was like, are you, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, we just, we walked around the woods a couple of times, didn't we? She was like, I saw you for 18 months, twice a week sometimes. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, 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 exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. Mate, um, what, once lockdown's done, what have you got coming up? What's, what's, what's on the horizon? Because we like, we like, we like horizons. Yeah, we do, we do. I, (laughs) do you know what's weird? Uh, Like a lot of plans are now just completely up in the air. So I, I I don't really know. And I'm kind of okay with that as well. I think one thing that I've put out uh, for a while now, since my body has recovered, is just this idea of, um, to come back to how we started this, this whole, uh, uh, you know, chat, which was just, I would do another swim, but it has to be for uh, a higher purpose. Because for me, um, that kind of Maslow's hierarchy that we spoke about, that feeling of uh, accomplishment and prestige for personal reasons. I feel that the GB yeah. swim has kind of done that. Um, but I would, I've said to a few people now, I'd put my goggles back on and do a swim, but as long as, as long as it was for something bigger. And I think right now with everything happening with, with COVID, with what's happening out in America, you know, it, it would mm. just, if, if there was a swim that would help in any way at all, I, I could get motivated for that. Um, so I've said that because it's just, yeah, in, in, it just, I've got a weird niche skill set of just floating very far and eating lots. That's all I'm good at. But I'm like, if that can help anyone, then I'll, I'll sort of do it again. But ultimately, I'm just waiting to see what, what happens, really. So, uh, yeah. 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 What about yourself? Have you got, any, right, any, right. Have you got another row or anything like that? Even though you don't like rowing. Uh, <laughs> Again, like you, it's about waiting to see what the landscape looks like at yeah. the back end of this. Um, there's still, we've got, we've got work, but it's on hold. So it's like, um, as soon as things start coming back, I know I'm going to be busy doing yeah. bits and pieces. But I, do, I, I think I really want to take this up, take the opportunity, because I don't think, I think travel is going to be looking a little bit different. Mm. And I think I want to take a bit of time to explore the UK mm. and um, do do some bits where I can enjoy my home, mm. really, because I haven't. Everyone, everyone's hell bent on going to far flung places, and you seem you always sometimes neglect where you where you come from, yeah. or you don't appreciate it as much. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind doing some micro expeditions with friends and just having a having a laugh. I like that. Yeah. Get, get, getting back, getting back to socialising. Yeah um mate we're gonna have to start pulling it in now <laughs> but what what we, what we normally do is we put it out there and we ask people to send in questions and it, the question i read out that person gets a bottle of talisca 10 year single oh, nice. so there's been there there have been an awful lot of questions come in about jellyfish <laughs> so i'm gonna i am Let's have a look here. <laughs> right, this, oh, hello. This is, a, in fact, this one's even very appropriate because the person, this is on Instagram, the person who sent it in is called, their handle is called Feed Me Whiskey. <laughs> Although spelt with an E, which is not the way the Scottish spell whiskey, but anyway, oh. there we go. Um, 
And the question, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm fascinated that everyone just wants to talk to you and ask you about jellyfish, but what does a jellyfish feel like on the face? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, well, that is an excellent question. Uh, it, 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 it depends on the jellyfish. So that was what was weird actually as well, because like when you're swimming at night and you can't see the hand in front of your face, you I would mm. be stung and I'd be shouting to the boat where we had, you know, medics and stuff. And I'll be saying, yeah, I've been hit. And they'll be like, okay, no problem. Like what, what, what were you hit by? And I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> so we didn't know how to treat it. <laughs> like moon jellyfish, you get them on the South coast. They're fine. Like they didn't really sting. So that's kind of like a water balloon. Imagine motorboat in a water balloon. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what that feels like. That's a moon jellyfish. However, the, the lion's mane, the giant jellyfish of Scotland, uh, that is not like motivating a wobbly. That is, they are painful. Like they, they, really? yeah, they are not pleasant. But, but equally, we're kind of fortunate. And again, the silver lining was, it, it's not a Portuguese manoir or anything like that. So around Great Britain, you're kind of okay. Because the, the giant jellyfish mm. will hurt. But also as well, it's, it's how many you get stung by. If you get stung by too many, like my, fa my face changed shape because the toxins mm. just in it and yeah <sighs> yeah so yeah not not pleasant i've no yeah i've i've been stung by a jellyfish but it and it it was on the arm how I've, I, 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 the amount of times i've been in the sea i've only been stung once and, and it just felt i don't know it felt like i'd got an electric shock it was like boom yeah, this is what i mean so there's different yeah. ones that would yeah yeah, yeah. but um, but my dad my dad has actually been stung by a portuguese man oh no he 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 grew up in east africa and he was a he was a kid and he, I, I, he genuinely, I think the way he recalls it is he can't recall it. Oh. It was just like, it, it, apparently, when I spoke to my nan and that about, you know, when, when they were around, uh, she said when it happened, it was like he literally, the, the way she remembers it, he launched himself out of the water oh. <laughs> and then landed and just sort of, oh. but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an odd thing, and I don't, I, mate, I don't want to ever get stung by a giant <laughs> jellyfish in Scotland. <laughs> it's because they don't know as well. They're just going about their business. They're not. They don't even mean to attack you. That's what's weird about it. Mm. Just swimming at night, you can't even blame them. They're just going about their business, you know. So it was just, and especially in Scotland, you'll know. Like, but when you start going through like the uh, Inner Hebrides, they get funneled. So you're running a gauntlet. Mm. It's like a jellyfish gauntlet. You're just trying to like, yeah, you. Yeah, oh. my record was like twelve in a single night. It was it was bad. Oh, <laughs> mate. mate, it's it's been an unbelievable chat. Oh. We could could talk for ages, and I really appreciate, it, mate. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, dude, mate, I've loved this. Thank you so much. Under weird weird circumstances, but mate, I'm so glad we finally caught up. And yeah, uh, mate, let let's when it when it all goes well, whenever something happens and we are allowed to do stuff, let's let's catch up. Thanks very much to Ross. Hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and follow me and the Book of Man for the latest news. Thanks again to Talisker for supporting this podcast and thanks to you all out there for listening. Cheers and I'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 